If you have a Bible, I want you to join me in Isaiah 55. I know that's where we've been in the days leading up to the summit, and that's where we're going to be uh, this, uh, this morning as well. I brought a little helpful friend with me this morning, so he's going to be on stage with me. It's not actually a he, it's a tree, so I don't really know why I'm calling him a he. Now, I was told this is a cypress tree. I don't have a green thumb, so I'm taking that by faith. We brought a cypress tree because Isaiah 55 talks about a cypress. A couple of years ago, I, uh, I set a goal, and that was to run a 10K. I don't really know why I set the goal, and, uh, but just felt like I needed something in a physical sense to give me to, something to work towards. I needed to get in better shape. And so I found that a 10K called the Bridge Run was going to be conducted in New Bern in late October of 2012. And this was June, and so I thought to myself, I've got time to work myself into shape. And I'll tell you what, I went to the YMCA, I did all the research. First of all, I had to realize how far a 10K is, six and some odd miles. And I'd never run that far in my life, not intentionally. Um, uh, And then I went to the Y and learned that one time around the track is a tenth of a mile. So you run around that track at the YMCA 10 times, that's a mile. So to get up to the 10K, you got to run it 60 some odd times. And so I said, well, we'll just start it out. And so I started the first day. And I'll just tell you this, after the first mile, I was done. I was spent. And this is no exaggeration. I've shared this story before because some of you have reminded me of this. My 10th lap around the track, I was running... And this lady, who was, shall we say, well advanced in years, I was running and she walked by me. She just, she walked by me. I'm, I'm going at everything I've got. My heart rates up. I feel like I'm about to die. And she just comes, just walking, walking right by. And so, so at that point, I realized I'm not quite up for the 10K. I'm not quite ready to run it. But I tried to stay diligent about it. I printed out a little plan. I Googled it, how to train for a 10K. And you just kind of increase your stamina bit by bit by bit over a long period of time. Kept marking the calendar, October the 26th. I believe that was the date, 2012, the bridge run. Julie was encouraging me. So I got it where I could work up to a mile, then a mile and a half. And then we roll around to September, and I'm up to three miles and four miles. And it tells me the week before you actually run the 10K, a week before you actually run a 10K plus you know, another half mile just to, just to make sure you can, you can pull this off. And so I did that. And I'll tell you what, I, I went to the Y and ran 75 laps, seven and a half miles. And so my goal was, my goal was I wanted to run the 10K without stopping and run all the way to the end. And I got out to New Bern and I told you it was called the bridge run, didn't I? The bridge of the bridge run is right there by the highway if you've ever traveled to New Bern. And you've seen the on-ramp, right? That it shoots about a mile up into the sky <laughs> and then comes down a mile. And then it, now, the YMCA track was all flat terrain. So I start out on the 10K, start running. And uh, I did not set any land speed records. As a matter of fact, when I finished the race, they handed me this information, and they said, all your friends can go online and look at your time. And I immediately took that piece of paper, and I crumpled it up, burned it. You know, no one never needs to see that. And Julie ran with me. She stayed right by my side. You know, she, would, she could have easily finished well before me. And I finished that race and was so proud and, and had set a goal and had, and had accomplished it and accomplished it with no one walking by me as I was in the midst of the, 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 stretch, the stretch run race was on a Saturday and I got up on Monday and my legs were so sore my back hurt everything in my body hurt and I just said to myself I'm going to take today off 
I'm going to run today. In fact, I've already set the goal, and I, I accomplished the purpose. Tuesday rolled around, and I said, you know what? I still don't quite feel up to it. I told you it was late October. And I said, maybe I'll just pick this back up after Thanksgiving. Oh, we rolled around to Thanksgiving. Guess what was next? Oh, it's Christmas. I'll roll back around. I ran that race October 2012. If I tried to run today, I'd be right back where I was, (laughs) essentially. You know, there's getting into shape, and then there's staying in shape. Now, we, had put, we, we put this summit on the calendar, March 9th through the 19th, 2014. You've probably heard me say that dozens of times. And now today it's March the 23rd, 2014. We, we, we had something we were looking forward, looking forward, looking forward, and now you came today. The trailers are gone, right? Their team's gone. They're, they're in Vidalia, Georgia this morning. But what I don't want us to do, because I've heard all week, so many people have come and said, here's what God's done in my life. So many people have said, in essence, this. I don't want to go back to the, to the person I was, to the life I was living ahead of time. So what I want to encourage us is how to stay in shape, right? Uh, as we've prayed and looked toward the summit, we are getting in shape. And then many of you who've come and you've participated, you ran the race, right? And you'd say this morning, man, my marriage is different than it was on March the 8th. My family, it's different. My children, it's different. I can look out and see some differences. Some of you husbands and wives, uh, you're sitting a little closer together this morning. There's, there's not this gap in between you. Some of you, some of you, and I'm not talking about all external. Some of you, I can look at your face and see a total different countenance. It's like there's a light on the inside that's showing up on the on the outside. Here's the way Isaiah said it. We've studied through Isaiah 55, and, and it's sort of the whole process. It began with, if you'll come, if you'll seek my face, if you'll listen diligently, if you'll incline my ear, and then God said, I'll do a great work. And here's the result of it. Here's where it says, you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. That's a great statement. For a marriage that was devoid of any joy, now there's joy in the Lord. For a life that was caught up in fear and anxiety, now there's peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Now here's the main verse, this verse 13. Instead of, on the count of three, I want everybody to say instead of. One, two, three. Instead of, instead of, the thorn shall come up. Here's our little friend here, the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord. You want to talk about deep and abiding? An everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So when God begins to revive a life, or in some cases, as, as, as we believe has happened here, revive many people corporately together, he says, I start to do some instead of works. And Isaiah, the prophet, inspired of the Holy Spirit, compares it to a cypress taking the place of briars and thorns. Now, if you've ever tried to walk barefoot over briars and thorns, that's not a lot of fun, is it? These briars and thorns are are, uh, representations of issues in our life that God wants to not just remove, this is important, not just remove, but replace. Revival's not about taking the briars and getting rid of the briars. Revived life is about taking the briars and replacing them with something green and healthy and that provides shade and provides comfort, provides stability. What Isaiah is saying is instead of bitterness, 
Now is going to come forgiveness. Instead of anger, there's going to come gentleness. Instead of men with passive spiritual leadership, they're going to be replaced with men with clear direction. Instead of everybody just kind of following the crowd, there's now God-fearing people. Instead of pride, there's humility. Instead of discouragement, there's joy. Instead of worry, there's peace. Instead of husbands and wives arguing, they're praying. Instead of children being constantly entertained, now they're being trained. And it's over, and it's both of these things over and over and over again. God's not in the thorn removal business so much as he's in the cypress growing business. And many of us will hit a, hit a wall in our spiritual life because all of our emphasis is on what needs to go and very little emphasis on what needs to come in replacement of what goes. So, so we're going to use Isaiah's metaphor. Here's this cypress tree. Now, when it comes to the cypress tree, there are some things in its growth and its sprouting forth that only God can do. The seed into the soil, the water from the sky, it brings forth and sprouts. And by the way, look at, look at with me in Isaiah 55, verse 12. You shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. In other words, it springs up, but then it's going to keep growing. Now, we don't have opportunity to, to do this this morning because we don't have this much control. But do you think this tree would look a little bit different six months from now? Do you think this tree would look a little different a year from now? This is just a little baby cypress, right? But it's going to grow. and There'd probably be a time, well, it might be able to stand in here, but we wouldn't be able to get it through the door. And God's begun a work in your life perhaps in such a way it's just it's just begun but it's going to grow that peace that he's got is going to get deeper and deeper that devotion to his word is going to get stronger and stronger that that uh, bitterness is going to fade more and more and it's going to be replaced by grace and and good things now there's some things about this tree that only god can do right that's why it starts with isaiah 55 he says my word will not return void it shall accomplish that which i purpose there's something that only god can do there's some transformation. You know what it is? Only God can bring life. Only God can bring life. We can't manipulate it. We can't program it. We can't put it on the calendar and say life comes March 9th through the 19th. But once life has come, there are some things now that we can do, right? There are some things that we can do. So I'm going to give you two words. We're going to use the cypress tree all morning as our, and tonight as our, as our metaphor. Here are two words comes to this we've got to do some things that protect the cypress and we've got to do some things that cultivate the cypress so here's our two words of the day we've got to do some things that protect the work that god's doing and some things that cultivate it in other words the same things that this tree is going to grow more and more and more healthy protection and cultivation i want to put a picture up on the screen I'll tell you a little story that goes with the picture. I don't know if you can make it out. I know it looks odd, and you don't really even know what I'm going with. This is, this is Auburn University. And the fans of Auburn University have a pretty crazy tradition. I don't really know where it began. Maybe Elisa can come and explain what this is about. But after a big win, Auburn football, they go to this place called Tumor's Corner. This is Tumor's Corner, and they've got these huge trees there. And in their wild celebration over winning the football game, they throw as much toilet paper as they can in those trees. Now, Carolina fans and Duke fans and State fans, we, we have all different ways of, 
uh, maybe we didn't need to open up this, 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 this subject to this day. Not a lot of celebrating has been going on, right? We even need to find a tree of mourning, right? So, but, but, but anyway, uh, uh, all fans celebrate in different ways. Now, Auburn has a particular rival, the University of Alabama. And this doesn't speak for all Alabama fans, I'm sure, because I know some of you are here. But there was a per- particular Alabama fan, and this just galled him, just got in his crawl, this celebration, particularly one year when Auburn defeated Alabama. And he watched on the news as thousands of fans gathered at Tumor's Corner at Auburn University to celebrate by throwing toilet paper into trees. And that just got on his, under his skin. So do you know what he did? He concocted a scheme. He concocted a plan. And by cover of night, in the middle of the night, he went to Tumor's Corner and he put poison in the soil. It's a true story. And it didn't happen overnight, but what began to happen to those beautiful trees at Tumor's Corner is they began to wither. And, and, and then some professors at Auburn University began to study what was going on, and they began to do soil samples. And what they realized is somebody had placed in the soil poison that was killing the trees. And the poison had gotten in the roots, and then the trees had, had taken the poison in themselves. And essentially what they said There's not anything we can do. I want you to know that some of you are celebrating some good things that God has done in your life. Now, you didn't go home and start throwing toilet paper in the trees, I don't think. But I want you to know that you've got an enemy. You've got someone absolutely opposed to the cypresses of the Lord growing in your life. And he is not above coming along and just in that soil putting some poison. And then the poison is going to go into the roots. And this will not grow, first word, unless you protect it. So, so what are some things you can do to protect the work that God's doing in your life? He says, I, instead of briars will come the thorns. So first of all, I want you to know that God takes away the briars. God takes away the thorns. Briars and thorns from the get-go are signs and marks of the curse. You remember what God said to Adam? Now, what was, by the way, what was Adam's responsibility in the garden? protect it and cultivate it right that's what he was supposed to do and then the enemy comes along with his poison and he poisons everything poisons their marriage poisons their children and in all down the line and we've inherited all of it right protect it and 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 cultivate it and when god cursed it you remember what began to grow in the ground thorns and briars when they crucified our lord you know what they put on his head a crown of of thorns showing that god in the flesh the lord jesus christ was being crucified for our for our sins. So, let's talk about protecting and cultivating it. We won't go uh, deep into the whole college basketball thing, but a successful basketball team has to play offense and defense. And that's what I'm telling you. If God's begun to do a work in your life, you've got to defend it, and you've got to cultivate it. So let's take them one at a time. First of all, how to protect. I know you've got a handout. We'll get to that at the very end, those fill-in-the-blanks, so you don't have to worry about that just right just right now if there are some things that you've put off some some of you men i know i've talked to you this week you've put off spiritual apathy just a lack of being a spiritual leader in your home you said during the summit talk to many of you i'm realizing this is my responsibility you've put off apathy but you're going to have to put something on so let's talk about protection number one it's not on your outline i'm just going to tell it to you 
You need to find like-minded people to pray with and to talk to. You've got to have it. Now, for, for, for many years in my Christian life, I've sort of been a Lone Ranger kind of guy. Uh, I'm an introvert. You know what my least favorite thing to do was in high school and in college and in seminary? Group projects. Couldn't stand group projects. Some of my worst experiences, I won't tell the stories now. I might save them for tonight. One group project in particular that ended in utter catastrophe for me. I don't like group projects. You give me an assignment, I'll go to the library, I'll study, I'll write the paper. In fact, in many of my group projects, that's what essentially happened. And I just handed it to them and just said, say this, I'm not good. I I, I won't take the responsibility. But you know what I've come to realize? Church is a group project. Church is a group project. We're all in this together. And it's not about one guy doing the research and then handing all. We've all got to be in. Now, if you want to cultivate, excuse me, if you want to protect the tree, the first thing you're going to have to do, the the cypress, the good work God's doing in your life, is number one, you've got to find other like-minded people. You think of think of it this way. Do you like uh, you know? I know we got gas grills and so on and so forth like that these days. But one of my favorite tasting meals is something that's cooked on a charcoal grill. You know what I mean? You just get a good charcoal grill going, and you put the little pieces of charcoal up on the grill, and you light that fire, and 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 together now the charcoal keeps the fire going. What happens if you take one of those pieces of charcoal, remove it from the fire, and set it to the side? What's going to happen? This fire is just going to die out. And that's how the church is. That's why we're together like this. Why, why did you not just stay home and watch a video? You know, there are better preachers, much better preachers that you could have just got a podcast. Just, why? Why do we come together like this? Because we got to be together. We're in this together. There is, no, there is no substitute to personal relationships of the church. There's just not. I know we're getting all, this, all the technology these days, and you talk to but you've got to have people that are in your life. You've got to have other pieces of charcoal that you're going to get around. You know, one of the most encouraging parts of the whole summit was just hearing testimonies, right? Set a microphone up here, and one person after another began to come and say, here's what God's doing. And you know what happens in your heart? As you hear what the fire that God's burning in their life, it starts to, starts to cultivate a fire in you, doesn't it? Say, I've, I've had the same struggle. I've been, I've been there. I know that. Oh, God told them that. That's, you've, got, you've got to have other people in your life. So here's a quick question. Who is it this week that you're going to talk to on the phone, meet for lunch, or so, so, something along those lines, and you're going to talk to about spiritual things. I'm going to talk about the ball game. I'm going to talk about this, this, that, or the other. You, you're not going to talk about politics. You're going to sit together, and you're going to talk about spiritual things. If, you're, if your answer to that is, I don't know, here's my exhortation to you. You've got to know. <laughs> you've got to have somebody. And y'all going to go over? I love my church, so let's apply it practically. You're going to go to LTAP. You're going to sit at LTAP over chips and salsa, and you're just going to ask some simple questions. Can I encourage you? Here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. What, what you've been reading in the Word this week. And now this takes two things. It takes initiative and honesty. Because if they ask what you've been reading in the Word this week and you haven't read the Word, here's, here's where the whole fire goes out. And you try to start to make something up. You start to, well, you start to lie about it. You must put away falsehood and speak the truth to one another, for we are members of one another. That's Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter 4. Proverbs 18.1. You can write this verse down, Proverbs 18.1. Whoever isolates himself destroys himself. That's the proverb. So if you're saying, I'm a man and I want to be a spiritual leader in my home, but I don't have any other men who have the same goal, then, um, then it's, uh, you, you know what I'm getting at is you need other people in your life who are doing some soil samples. You know what I'm saying? 
Get a cypress girl. Do you need some other men to come along and inspect? Oh, you got some weeds right here, my friend. If you don't remove that, how, how, have you been having some fertilizer? Have you been putting some water in the soil? Have you been in the sunlight, right? If you want that cypress to grow, first protection, protection number one, is you have got to have like-minded people to talk to and to pray with. And again, this requires initiative and honesty. Some of you are like me. You're just an introvert, and so it's difficult for you to, to kind of get out there. But I'll tell you this. If you think what the proverb is, whoever isolates himself destroys himself. If you'll think like that, if I don't do this, these cypresses that are emerging in my life, they're going to be destroyed. Protection number two. I've got two protections and two cultivations, all right? That's, uh, that's where we're at. Number one, you've got to have like-minded people to pray with and to talk to. Number two, you have to remove ungodly influences from your life. So one, you're building something in, some godly influence, some other believers in the Lord you're going to pray with and talk to and protect, pr- protect each other. And number two, you've got to remove ungodly influences. Do you, do you, know, what, do you know what one of the best um, parts of the summit was not just what we were doing what we were not doing as i began to look at it you know i know it's a large amount of time and it's 11 days of two hours a night and four seven hours on the weekend but do you know what in essence that schedule is two hours a night and seven hours on the weekend in essence that's the very same schedule the average american watches television average american goes home and watches two hours of tv a night and on the weekends watches seven or more hours so what we did instead of sitting at home watching television we came together and we studied the word and we prayed together. You got to remove, you got to remove ungodly influences from your life. I was praying for my church the other day, and I just wrote this down to give you this encouragement. Some of us, some of us, need to make definite and permanent decisions about what we will not have in our lives anymore. We've got to make some definite and permanent decisions and then back to the first protection having other men in your life or other women if you're a lady other ladies if you're a man other men that you tell those people what you're not allowing in your life and then they're going to hold you accountable for some of us it's ungodly entertainment just hour after hour after hour on netflix on the ipad on television and 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 you'd say it's not bad but let me ask you this is it good we've got to get over this it's not a bad influence we've got to start asking is it a godly influence got to remove remove ungodly ungodly influences in our life we've got to have a little joshua in our lives men as for me in my house we will serve the lord uh, my brother frank who i love to death and he uh he sent me an email this week about ancestry.com kind of where our family comes from right and, and, and I followed the link, and I looked on there, and it said, you're such and such percentage Irish, such and such percentage Scottish. What if you came in here this morning, and I tried to preach this whole sermon with a Scottish accent? Right? I don't even know how to do it. I, I would do it, and then it would just be embarrassing. So I'm not even going to do it. You want me to do it? No, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> what, what if I stood up here, and I was wearing a kilt? <laughs> yeah. None of you would be back the next week. You know, they're just, they're just some things ought not to be. Now, the research says that's where our family comes from. I've been told there's a D River, the D.E. River in Scotland. That's where my last name comes from. And they traveled over to South Carolina and checked in. They're the D's. They come from the, from the D River. Do you, do you know what? Scotland, Ireland, they're fine. You know what? I believe I am American. 
I like the American flag. I speak English. I, 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 I know there's somewhere that I came from, <laughs> but I was born American. I am proud to be an American. If you're born again, <laughs> if, you're, <laughs> if you're born again, here's what the Bible says. He's transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his beloved son. You don't have to go digging up <laughs> where you came from. Some of you, some of you did not come from Scotland or Ireland. Some of you came from bitterness. Some of you came from resentment. Some of you came from greed, materialism, jealousy. What you need to do in your life is you just, you cut all, you don't, you don't live there anymore. That's not your citizenship's not there. And I find in our lives often we're trying to have dual citizenship. Got one foot in the world or one foot in the kingdom of God. Some of us need to make permanent, definite, clear, line in the sand decisions. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I know that's where I came from. And some of us are just trying to make a compromise with sinful living, with a kingdom of darkness. You still have an affinity for some of the things that you came from. You still want to put the kilt on. You want to talk with the accent. But you're not there anymore. You've been transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, if you'll listen to him, will begin to reveal some things in your life you just got to be done with. you got to permanently be done with. Some of us have been this cycle where we're coming around and around and around, and there's this stronghold in your life. Maybe it's ungodly entertainment. Maybe it's a particular relationship, a friend that you have, and you get on the phone with them, and it's all gossip, and it's all negative, and it's all discouraging, and it's ungodly, and you're just going to say, I just can't do this anymore. You know, when Lazarus came out of the grave, the Lord had called him to life, and you know what? He came out, and Jesus said, go and unbind him, because he was wrapped up in those grave clothes. Some of you, you've come out of the grave but you're still wrapped up in the grave clothes. Oh, here's the picture. You can go look at this in Luke 11, I believe it is. Jesus pointed to some other people and said, you go unbind him. And that brings us right back to point number one. You've got to have other people in your life. Some of you are trying to get the grave clothes off and you're like this. It's like trying to get out of a straitjacket. You can't get out. You've got to have other people in your life. So two protections. Two protections. Initiate Christ-centered friendships for mutual encouragement and remove any ungodly influences from your life. We're all on the same page? You want the cypress to grow, you've got to do those two things. Because you've got an enemy. He wants to sow some poison. You've got to have people who've got your back. You've got blind spots. I've got blind spots. We've all got blind spots. We want this tree to grow. Number two, number two, you want things you need to cultivate. Cypresses and myrtles that are replacing the briars and, and thorns in our life not only need to be protected, they also need to be cultivated. If you're not purposeful about this, God's removed some briars and thorns. You know what they're going to do? They're going to start creeping back up. They're going to start coming back. I'm just telling you. If you don't remain steadfast, there's some things only God can do, then there's some things we must do. So number one, cultivation. Obviously, if the tree is going to grow healthy and strong, it needs a few essentials, right? Got to have water, got to have sunlight. In the same way, there are some essentials for your spiritual growth. I'm just going to give you two. Number one, you have to cultivate a love for God's Word. You've got to cultivate a love for God's Word. Everybody here in the room should regularly be reading the Scripture, not as a legalistic demand, 
But I'll just tell you this. When I was in college at Campbell University, I'd walk with great expectation every day to the post office. Campbell University back then was still kind of in the middle of nowhere, and this is pre... I mean, we had the internet, but it wasn't up and running very well. And so I'd go to the post office every day and get a little letter, almost every day, from Julie. And I'd rip that thing open, and I'd read it all the way back. I almost got hit by a car one time doing this. Across the street, I'd just listen, read it. Oh, man, and she's saying, ah, this, 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 and... Man, I'd read it, and I'd reread it, and reread it, and reread it, and reread it. That's how we should be with the Scripture. If you love the Lord Jesus, here's what His Word says. you got to cultivate it, but sometimes we've got to cultivate it. Now, now, some of you would never say this out loud, but you would say, I don't really enjoy reading. Some of you say, I don't enjoy reading at all. <laughs> it's not just a, it's nothing against the Bible, it's just reading in general. Now, let, me just, let me just tell you, do you think that's going to fly? When he stand before the Lord, oh, I, would have, I would have known your word. I just didn't enjoy reading. This is how God has chosen to disclose himself. This is how he's chosen to reveal his character, to reveal his ways. And you say, I just don't really enjoy reading. You need to pray that you'd enjoy reading. Amen. That's why I say cultivate it. You say, I don't really enjoy. You, got, you begin to pray. Now, I believe as you pray according to the will of God, He'll begin to answer that, uh, answer that prayer. We all know we should be in his word. So if you find in your life that it's not something you really want to do, ask God to change your heart and mind about it. Cultivate a love for reading his word and hearing his word taught. Become a note taker. I don't say that in pride so that I look out and you're taking notes on what I have to say. You're just going to forget. If I ask you a month from now what we talked about on March the 23rd, not many of you are going to remember if you didn't write it down and didn't review it. Well, he brought a cypress tree. I remember that. Right? You remember what we preached on last month, last year? Now, like Adrian Rogers, he says, the weakest ink is better than the sharpest memory. Right? You just want to write some things down. Cultivating a love for his, uh, love for his word. And then I'm going to go on and tell you, you know I'm going to tell you this because I really believe it. Not just because I want to tell you. You need to memorize his word. You've got to memorize scripture. To know how to pray, to know how to walk with the Lord, to know who he is. Now again, just as some of you say, I, I don't really enjoy reading. Some of you say, I couldn't do that. I couldn't memorize this word. I just don't have the mind for it. Maybe when I was younger. This other Question, again, I know I've used the illustration before. If I told you I'd give you a million dollars if you came here next Sunday with Romans 8 memorized, how many of you do have it memorized? Probably everybody in the room. And what you need to pray is that God would allow you to see that his word is worth more than a million dollars. It's profitable for all walks of life. So I encourage you to memorize Romans 8, Psalm 1, Ephesians 2, Galatians chapter 6. If you're wired to be a worrier, just worry is a constant concern in your life. Memorize scripture to fight ungodly and sinful worrying. If you're prone to anger, you need to memorize Ephesians 4. Do not let the sun go down in your anger and give no opportunity to the devil so that you see anger the way God sees anger, an opportunity for the devil who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he was perfectly content using uh, the ungodly anger of people to destroy the good works around us. If you're prone to doubt God's faithfulness, hey, memorize one of the genealogies in Chronicles. That's kind of teasing because that would actually be really difficult to do, although you'd do it for a million dollars, wouldn't you? But what's it teaching? Why are there so many genealogies in the Bible? generation after generation after generation after generation after generation to him and to his son and to his son's son and to his son's son 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 all the way down to here he's been he's been faithful you want to cultivate that in your 
life. And parents, do not, do not, do not underestimate your children's ability to memorize His Word or their desire to do so. We sugar stick too many children, spiritually speaking. We just want you to go sit here quietly and just do this, this, this. And if you'll cultivate an appetite in their little hearts, most children will live to the standard that we set for them. And we've got ungodly influences in our culture that essentially say for your children, well, just put them to the side and we'll get around to that later. No, 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 no. What's the Bible say? Fathers, raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If they can memorize every line of Frozen, they can memorize Proverbs 3. Amen? So cultivate a love of God's Word in your life and in your home. Number two, this sounds pretty general, but I want to talk to you specifically about it, is you want to cultivate Christ-centeredness in your home. And I know one of the things we talked about a lot at the summit is in your home. Now, we got all different kind of homes. We've got homes with little children. We've got homes with children who are up and grown. We've got single parents, or we've got... Uh, Folks who are single with, with nobody else in their home. We've got grandparents and great-grandparents and uh, all sorts of different homes. But what I want to say is you want to create Christ-centeredness in your home. Now, we're going to apply that a little bit differently in different ways. If you've got no children in your home, you can still make your home a place where people can come and be encouraged and refreshed. You're going to make a meal, invite people over, and you're going to pray. You're going to sing to the Lord. You're going to, all of us, no matter what the home specifically looks like, can cultivate a Christ-centeredness in and around our home. You just invite some neighbors over. I mean, uh, so, so let me give you some practical, practical input. And one, of the, and one of the ways, I just wanted to talk about this for a minute, because one of the ways that God seemed to be moving most uh, deeply in an abiding way was among us men. And I got to thinking about this the other day. Many of us men uh, kind of balk and hesitate when it comes to this matter of being spiritual leaders in the home, don't, don't we? I mean, let's just be honest for a minute. And you know why it is? Because it's not easy. And you know what most men, their greatest fear in the world is, is that they look foolish. They look like they don't know what they're doing. So, some of us men have a hard time praying with our wives. And you know why? Because we're afraid we're not going to quite know what to say. We're going to start and we're going to stutter and then we're going to look foolish. And, and here's something that's true in my life. Some of the men in this church got together, and let's say they're going to do a building project, and they're going to build a ramp, or they're going to uh, uh, repair something. Now, I'm just telling you, I'm just going to be honest with you. If that group of men gets together, I'd be sitting there a nervous wreck. I'd be afraid somebody's going to say, well, you, uh, Brandon, go over and get such and such tool. I don't even know what tool to use in the illustration. That's how little I know about tools. Will you go back and, and go back in that trailer and grab the such and such hammer, or the such and such? You know what I... I'd say, I, I don't know what that is. And so you know what I do most of the time? I just kind of avoid those scenes altogether. Those guys are going to get together, and they're going to ask, I just don't know. I don't know, what it I, I don't know what tool to grab. I don't, know, I don't know how to repair that. I don't know. What, you guys all know what you're doing. I don't. And you know what my fear is? That I'd, be, I'd look foolish. And that is exactly, exactly how many men feel when we say, you need to be a spiritual leader in your home. You say, I, I don't, I, they're, they're going to ask me to grab such and such tool, and I don't even know what it is. I don't even know. Now, we've got to deal with this head on. You ready, men? We've got to deal with this head on. The Lord says that you are to be the spiritual leader of your home. You just, gotta, you just got to go on and embrace it. Now, let me tell you a few things that it doesn't mean. 
It doesn't mean that you've got to stand behind a podium and open a Bible. And Please don't do that, by the way. You get everybody at your home, and hey, i got my podium out. Y'all sit there, <laughs> give you a little handout. Here's your fill-in-the-blank outlines. Here's my PowerPoint. We've got pl- plugged it up to the TV, and I didn't get it quite alliterated. That's not what spiritual leadership means. We don't want to make it too complicated, but, but we need to make it clear. What does it mean? Generally speaking... It means you set a certain tone in your home, a Christ-centered tone. And you don't have to get with your wife uh, and, and pray for an hour. I mean, it's not a bad idea to do that. But if you, um, let, let, let me go back to the illustration. Men got together. They're going to build a ramp. Brandon says, uh, go grab such and such. I have no idea what that is. I can do one of two things. I can make up an excuse. Oh, my phone just rang. I can lie and say, I got to go somewhere. Sorry, guys. You know, I, another thing I could do is say, you know what? They can build that ramp without me. Your home cannot be built without you. You just need to see that. So, so there's a couple breakdowns in the metaphor, right? Now, here's what I need to do is I need to ask. And this takes, oh, this is hard for men. This takes some humility. This takes some confessing. Family, I haven't done this, and here's why. I just have a hard time with it. You just confess that. Now, let me ask you. Let me ask the ladies real fast. If your husband were to come to you and in humility say, I don't quite know what I'm doing, how, is your, how are you going to respond to them? Oh, you are hopeless. That's not how you're going to respond. Let me ask you this general question. If your husband were to come and say, I want to be a spiritual leader, I just don't quite know what I'm doing, question. Is your heart going to be more drawn to him or pushed away? I, don't, I doubt there's a single woman in this room who's going to say, oh, I don't want anything to do with him then. You know what she's going to say? She's going to come alongside. She's going to be, oh, this is what the Bible says. He's going to be his helper. Now, second thing, second thing, real quick. Maybe not real quick because this is important. <laughs> second thing is, when it comes to building those things, a man's only as good as his tools. So you need some tools in your life. Let me give you one, just a real, real simple tool that I got when it comes to leading my family. It's this little book here called Get Wisdom. Question, do you think children need to have wisdom? <laughs> we, we got more knowledge than we've ever had as a society, less wisdom than we've ever had. So here's a little book. This is if you have little children. Remember when I said it's going to come across different for different se- seasons of life. But actually, uh, this is probably good for all of us. First lesson that we've done as a family is on listening. Here's a principle. Listening is giving careful attention to another person. Listening shows someone love and respect. And then I'll just talk to my, what does listening mean? And we'll kind of memorize this. And you'll be shocked. Children can memorize this in about 30 seconds. Oh, by the way, uh, public school teachers, would this be a helpful principle for children to have been taught that listening is giving careful attention to another person? Listening shows someone love and respect. Do you see? Do you see? That's just one sort of silly application that the entire society is being built on what's being taught at home, right? Everything that goes on. So when a man up and says, "Ah, I'm not going to do that, I can't do that, I feel foolish, there are significant generational repercussions that cover everything about the world and the country that that we live in. And then it's got this real helpful thing in the back that just tells you, it basically says, say this, say this, say this. Not that you just read verbatim. Each child is assigned one of three animal sounds. All the children simultaneously moo, bark, meow, while the other animals find him. He's something silly. You know, we did it, and Priscilla was the cow, and she just went for it. I mean, the loudest moos you've ever heard. 
And we ask, how, how did you know? Because you, you listened. And, it just t- and you know what? It took about 12 minutes, and then we prayed together. And that was it. Now, I'm not trying to diminish, but what are we doing? We're setting a tone. Now, if you do that every, uh, every, very regularly, once or twice a week, what, are, what, what am I as the dad saying to my family? God's word is important. You're important. We want to live a certain way. I'm not, for, I'm not forcing this on them, but, I, but, I'm, but I'm teaching them, and I'm training them. Every child in every home of Calvary Baptist Church is being taught, and they are being trained in some way, shape, or form. The man's responsibility is to step in there and say, here's what we're going to teach, and here's what we're going to train. We've got a target. We're going to aim for this. Another simple application for you dads you say, uh, uh, or, or husbands say, I don't really know. I feel uncomfortable praying with my wife. I don't know what to say. Here's the, where you start. You start with what his word already says. And over here in Ephesians 6, or Ephesians 5, rather, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Say, I don't know what to pray. I'm going to pray what God's word says. All I'm going to do is I'm going to put my arm around my wife in the morning or in the evening. And I'm going to pray, Father, help me to love my wife as you love the church. And if that's all you pray, guess what? A pretty good, pretty good prayer, isn't it? And now she's going to feel drawn to you that you are doing what the word of God teaches, that you're being a spiritual leader in your home do you think this is something we need to do in our homes I mean, somebody can say amen you don't have to say amen. <laughs> yeah now, now all of a sudden i'm feeling up here like i've got you're trying to build a project and know what's going on but you're just doing simple clear things so again again somebody sitting out there probably saying i don't know how to do that i don't know what to do it's okay it's okay to say, I don't know what to do. It's not okay to say, I'm not going to do it. It's okay to say, I don't know where to start. It's, okay, it's, not, uh, it's not okay to say, I'm never going to start. Just simple, practical, Christ, cultivating Christ-centeredness in your home. So let me ask your families, you don't have to answer out loud again, uh, what night's ball practice this week? Boom, you know what it is, right? I know, Monday night, 530. I already know. What time's piano lessons for the girl this week? Boom, no, it's... Well, actually, I don't know, but I know it's sometime this week. I think it's Tuesday. That's why you need a wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll help you with all these things. <laughs> I know where ball practice is. I know when piano. Next question. When's your family devotion time this week? You already made the application, right? You need to know when it is. Ours? Again, I've learned. I, I, I've learned in my life, if I don't purpose to do it, it won't get done. Isn't this interesting about how, when something about Christ-centeredness in the home, it's the first thing that gets pushed to the side. Got to be at ball practice, got to be at piano, and got to, now I hope my daughter plays the piano well, I hope my son, you know, hits the ball. But not like I hope they walk with God. Not like I hope that, that when they're 34 years old, my son, that he knows God, he loves God, he pursues God. What would it profit if he made the major leagues? What would it profit if she went to Juilliard and played the piano if they forfeit their soul? So dads, uh, I go, I'm putting it on you because his word puts it on us first. You've got to be there given direction. And you just start with this. There's a night, everything else gets put on hold for this because you can't you can, you can be really busy right when's church well we're going to be there sunday morning and sunday night and wednesday night. isn't that the same no 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 it's actually not the same there is no substitute for you dad in humility with your family and that, that, now i know some of your homes you said dad's not there and so mom you might take some of those responsibilities 
and not make him feel guilty. The, the Bible says, wives, win your husbands without a word, but by the purity of your conduct. That's what the scripture says. So the Lord will begin to use that in his life. I don't know how, I'm, I can't promise you a fairy tale ending with a bow wrapped up, but you're just in obedience to the scripture. A couple of weeks ago, um, I was laying, I'd fallen asleep. <laughs> I'd fallen asleep on our couch. And I was jarred awake by a knocking sound. And it sounded to me like the door to our garage, someone was standing there and knocking. And I said, that sound, that's really strange. You know how you can go from dead asleep to wide awake in a moment? That's what had happened to me. And it's, it's, it's 11.30 at night. My garage is locked. And now someone's knocking on the door. And about that time, I saw a spotlight shine in the front windows of our house. And I looked out the window, and there's a policeman. Creeping, not creeping, slowly driving and shining that spotlight. And this little thought enters my mind. Whoever he's looking for is in my garage. (laughs) And now... My heart is racing. My palms are sweaty. I conclude there's a fugitive from the law hiding, camping out in my garage. And so I creep to the front door, and I walk out, and the policeman has stopped. And I, I mean, I'd fallen asleep. My hair's up everywhere, and I've got Julie's bedroom slippers on, and I've walked out there, and I, and I, I walked to the door, and I said, uh, I said, uh, officer, uh, are, are you looking for somebody? He said, well, yeah, we've got a report, and such and such, and I, you know, and, and I said, I think, <laughs> I said, I think he might be in my garage, <laughs> what I said. So he says, okay, he hops out of the car, he has his flashlight, and we enter back my house. My children and my wife are upstairs sleeping, and we creep through the living room, and I begin to say I was dead asleep on the couch, and he asked me a couple questions, and I said, I thought I heard a knocking sound, and I'm thinking, and so we creep to the laundry room, and he's there, and I'm kind of hiding behind him, you know, I'm just, he's, I'm kind of looking over there, and, and, and uh, he says, do you know which one of these light switches is your garage? I said, oh, I really don't know, so let's flip them all, and then he begins, he's got his flash, he begins to open that door, and I'm just thinking to myself, the fugitive's going to be on the other side. What do I do? I know this. If that thief's going to get to my wife and children, he's going to have to come through me. And I'm scared to death right now. And I'm thankful I got somebody with me. So he opens that door, and nobody's there. That's all I could do to just say, (laughs) No, nobody's there. He began to ask me some other questions. He began to put two and two together. What I thought was a knocking was gunshots I don't think that really made me feel any better but uh, <laughs> and that's what they were looking for there have been a report of gunshots fired and I thought it was a knocking on the door it was just, anyway but I did come to that moment scared as I could be thinking somebody's here and and they're on the run and they're going to come now there is a thief and the Bible says he has come John ten ten. the thief has come to steal kill and destroy and that's what he's about now men your responsibility is to protect and cultivate your home, this cypress tree, and not just men, but you understand what I'm saying. I, I, I really would have fought that man to the death if there'd been one. <laughs> I do believe that. You're going to go after my wife, my baby girls, my son? You're going to have to come through me. 
you got to have the, in, in many ways, you got to have the same spiritual attitude when it comes to your family. Because you know what? The truth of the matter is the thief, when he comes, he doesn't come. Mind if I come in? No, no, no. He sneaks in the back door. He comes in through the TV. He comes in through the iPad. He comes in through the bad advice and counsel from other people at school. He comes into the computer screen, and he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So you want to, you want to protect and to cultivate. You want to protect by getting other men. You know, I was glad the police officer was there. A three-cord strand is not easily broken, the proverb says, or actually Ecclesiastes, meaning uh, three men get together and they got the same purpose, man, they're going to be hard to overcome. The Apostle Paul, when he went on mission trips, he took Barnabas, he took Silas, and he's full of the Holy Spirit, loves the Lord. You've got to have other men that come alongside. So one, you want to protect your home by, by having a, not isolating yourself, and then you also want to protect your home um, by having Christ-centeredness. Or excuse me, cultivate, <laughs> cultivate by uh, having a love for God's word and Christ-centeredness. Uh, Christ-centeredness in your home. I know there's an outline. You want me to give it to you real fast? We'll do it real fast. This is just a way that you can do some soil sampling in your life. So we'll put number. Well, we'll do them real fast. Point number one on the screen. Point number one is my character is revealed by what I do in secret. Who you are when nobody's around. That's who you really are. We love being together on Sunday mornings from 1045 to what? To about this time. But my character is revealed actually by what I do in secret. When you're by yourself and it's Tuesday night, nobody's around. What you watch, when you can watch whatever you want to watch, that's your character. There's no no reason to try to whitewash it or this, that, or the other. Perhaps it doesn't need to be white, but you understand what I'm saying. My character is revealed by what I do in secret. That's the roots. That's the roots way down. You can't even see it can't even see the roots of this tree we know they're there and if i wanted to make a mess i could pull it out and we could begin to that's the roots of your where are your roots what soil are you planting your life in jesus talked about a parable of the kingdom of god's like a man who goes out and sows some seed and some falls on thorny soil and as the tree grows up so do the thorns and ultimately what wins out the thorns choke out the plant some of you, we've been through the life action summit, but you still got significant briars and thorns in your life. There's still a lot of bitterness, anger, resentment. We didn't portray life action to be a cure-all, save-all. We do portray Jesus as being a cure-all, save-all, King of kings, Lord of lords, the great I am. And any solution to the secret character is going to be found at the cross of Christ. So my character is revealed by what I do in secret. Number two, my maturity is revealed by what I do in my free time. When I can just do whatever I want to do, what do I do? Is it Christ-like or is it not Christ-like? Because uh, I, I know what time it is, but just hang with me. A lot of men, a lot of men say I can't be a spiritual leader in my home because there's still significant sinful issues in my life. And so you feel uncomfortable leading your family to pray because you did this in secret or you did this in free time. No, no, it goes for everybody. But oftentimes that is a barrier. So you, you, you do ask the Holy Spirit to change you, but you don't. Uh, forfeit responsibility because you've not been 100% obedient. You're not ever going to be 100% obedient in the world before Christ comes back. You've got to take on, and, and what you'll find is one kind of feeds in on the other. As you purpose to be a spiritual leader in your home, all of a sudden, oh man, what I do, my son's not here right now, but I've prayed for him. I want to be a man that he could model his life after. So uh, my maturity, my, my maturity, so you got your roots, and then this, this isn't a real mature cypress tree, not yet, but it's going to grow. And in your life, 
as you, uh, as you mature, what you do in your free time, all of a sudden, instead of it being all about me and my entertainment and what I want to watch and what I want, it starts to be about others. It begins to be about the kingdom. Hey, yeah, I'm going to go on a mission trip. Yeah, hey, I'm going to spend a week of my life. I'm going to spend my vacation time. I'm going to spend my free time helping other people. And then number three, my, uh, my influence is revealed by what I lead others to do with their free time. We all have a degree of influence. Some of us, we influence a lot of people. Some of us, we just influence a, 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 a smaller number of people. But my influence, how I am influenced, is revealed by what I lead others to do with their free time. So as a dad, how do I lead my children to spend their free time? I'm not, is it video games 24-7? Well, all right, we've had enough application. Um, I've got about eight of these books. If anybody wants them, I'm going to just leave them on the front table. Or table. Chair, pew, section, area. Or they're going to be right over there. If you say, I'm just going to pick one up. And uh, uh, this week, this week, we're going to teach our children gratitude. Gratitude is being thankful to God and others for the things I have been given. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let's stand together and we're going to pray together. You got protections in your home. Are you protecting your home? You got some spots. You know? So we, we got to protect here. If you're a dad today, maybe you just want to get on your knees before the Lord, confess to him, I have no idea what I'm doing on this area of spiritual leadership. You may have seen in the bulletin, we're going to purpose Monday mornings at 6.30, just like-minded. So we're just trying to apply what we're talking about. Like-minded dads who want to pray for their families, we're going to get together Monday mornings at 6.30 right in the, right in the choir room. I, don't, I know that doesn't fit everybody's schedule. It doesn't work, and I got to be there. This, I, just, just a starting point. We're going to come together. We're not going to talk about the ball game. We're, not going, to talk, we're going to pray for our wives and our children. Monday mornings, 6.30 starting to, to tomorrow. Protect our home. Or maybe you say, I need some cultivation. I got to cultivate a love of God's word. Right now, I just thought, you don't go by feeling. You understand, you go by faith. But I want God to give me a godly desire for his word. The invitation time is an opportunity to respond to what we've talked about from his word. So the front's wide open. If you want to come and bring your children and pray over them, you want to bring your wife and just confess to her, we hadn't prayed like we should. We want, we want revived lives to be sustained. We want cypress trees to replace briars and, and grow. So I'm going to stop talking. I'm going to turn it over to the Lord to lead as he would as we pray together. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he is a perfect bridegroom, that you are a perfect heavenly father. Help us, help us, help us, Lord. Not to have trained and built up to the summit and now that it's over, just to go back as life was, but to make some permanent, definite changes. Some of us need to be done with some things in our home. We need to be done with the grave we came out of. Instead of trying to compromise in one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world, plant both feet firmly and roots go all the way deep down. Lord, I pray that those who have cypresses and myrtle trees springing forth, that they will make a name for the Lord, an everlasting name. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Help us to respond in a way that's appropriate. In Jesus' name, amen.